Hunger Games Collective. This is Take Two. Is Take Two. Mary Hernandez. Hello. Mary Mary J. We said it. Ireland's favourite gay. Good on you for claiming that title first. I know. Um, you can tell I did digital marketing, you know, <laughs> for my masters. Did you get any backlash ever when it came to get like saying that? Like, did someone ever tell you, like, what do you mean Ireland's favourite gay? Yeah, it's more like, who gave you that title? And I was like, I just gave it myself because no one else is gonna give it to me you know what i mean so i just chose i was like you know that name like no one has ever used it i was like so i will use it myself ireland's very gay so good on you for not double guessing yourself exactly when did you move to ireland first i moved to ireland when i was 15 um to learn english let's just say for nine months that's the story that i always tell people okay so from barcelona correct from barcelona city yeah to Monaghan. <laughs> I feel like no one ever knows about that. What was that like for you? Uh, it was really shocking, really, because I was from the city. So then moving to Monaghan town, I was only 15. I was like, oh, my God, there is cows. You know, I know, like, it might seem like so stupid to say it. But I remember just waiting for the school bus every day and just seeing cows and just being kind of in the countryside. I was really, really shocked. But Monaghan, it's it's a town where people are really nice and they're really used to have exchange students. So it was it was nice to actually go to school there and everything. So I have a story for you when it comes to cows in Ireland. Amazing. So when I first moved, right, obviously landed in Dublin airport, bus to Galway. The first tweet I made was a cow emoji, believe it or not. There we go. So like people, probably Irish people take it for granted. It's like just cows are natural, but like they're really not. No, they're really not. Like, they're so fucking many cows. Yeah. And like I've never seen a cow run until I came to Ireland, you know? Okay. Like I was just like, they're so happy. I, and I'm sure people are like, what is going on? You know, but I was like in the city, you don't see that. No, you don't like, see fucking cows. Maybe, maybe like, like I remember when we used to go, like when I used to go to school in Barcelona, they'll be like, we're going to go to trip to a farm. Mm. outside the city and it's like you know and I remember seeing a donkey for the first time and and chickens and everything and I was like wow you know <laughs> so when I moved to Ireland and I saw a cow running as well I was like this is amazing now I was 15 you know I didn't I didn't know much about the history or culture of Ireland you know mm. so so was the news like were you planning like did you know that your move to Ireland was about to happen when you were in Spain um so it was kind of like people say it's a sad story, but I think it's just a story that happens to many of us. So the situation um, was that my dad was diagnosed with a mental illness. He was fully diagnosed with uh, narcissistic uh, behavior, multiple personalities and sociopath as well that not oh many God. people talk about it. So my mom... Um, was just trying to save my sister and I. I have a twin sister. And she decided, you know, to sell her car and actually pay a company um, to to take me to Ireland. Um, and that's how I, like, I got a host family, it's called, thanks to the company that we paid. And then that's how I ended up in Monaghan. It was just the company. You Did know. you know what was happening with your dad at that time? Yes, okay. definitely. I was always fully aware since I was like really young. Um, because like, you know, the way, like my dad was really strict 
Mm. Uh, and he, instead of like punishing um, in a way of words, it was more physical um, to what it brought like some like sad memories. Like, mm. you know, like um, he would like, but again, this is not sad. Like this is the reality, you know, like sometimes like he will just like lock my sister and I in a dark room you know, um, oh to punish, or he will make us be on, on the knees and hold books. Um, so it was like, back like back then, I just thought it was normal, you know, to be punished that way. Um, but obviously it wasn't. It was just like the mental illness that, you know, thank God he was like... Diagnosed. Diagnosed. And so whenever we were diagnosed, like whenever he was diagnosed, sorry, my mom was like, okay, I need to save the girls. Um, so I went first to Ireland, and when I saw that everything was safe... Um, I said to mom, it's time to bring Vanessa over. Um, and my mom said to Vanessa, oh, we're just going to visit Mary. And my mom then left my sister there. And oh. my sister yeah, was crying, like, do not leave me here. But it was the best thing that has ever happened uh, for us. And she fell in love. And now she has been with an Irish guy for like 11 years. So that's that's a, that's the good. Uh, and it's not the end of the story as well. So that's that's great. Like. But like it's nothing negative. Like, like I think a lot of people go through that, but they don't they don't say it because they think like it's really sad or um, it's just depressing or things like that. When I feel like sometimes I feel lucky that I went through that mm. because I feel like that's why I see the world in such a beautiful way now. Have you always been this accepting, even at the age of fifteen? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, thanks to my mom. Okay. Yes, because my mom, she's such a strong person um, and she's always smiling and she always like thinks the best of people. So even I saw things that I shouldn't have seen. Um, I always saw my mom like smiling and everything and she made me believe and think that everything that was happen happening was okay. So it was like more like a Peter Pan world, you know, that she oh, made okay. me be in. Yeah. So it was like the pirates. I will just see mm. like my dad. But she will always make it like, you know, like Neverland, like, you know, never really nice. Oh, bless her. Yeah, yeah. No, like she she is the best. Like, so it's great. That's unreal. Yeah. Like, first of all, I'm sorry that you had to go through that. That's very, like, tough. Yeah. Of course, it sounds very dramatic and I'm sure more happened. Mm -hmm. But those are like the highlights. What are things with your dad now? Is it just like no contact? Well, no, no, there is contact. My mom. Um, so obviously, like in Spain, there's this number called 016. So whenever you're going through domestic violence, you're able to ring them and then they put you in this list of like domestic violence. Um, the thing in Spain, you can find it out as well in Google. It's like, I think a woman is killed at least once a month by domestic violence. So my mom was going again through domestic violence. Sorry, I'm repeating that word so many times. Um, so because she was with him and she tried to run away so many times, but she couldn't. I had to keep a good relationship with him because I'll tell you this, right? Every time I came back from Ireland and I saw my dad treating my mom in a certain way, I would then stand up and protect my mom. Mm. What happened that then when I left to back to Ireland, that's whenever then my mom will be 100% like tortured, like mentally and sometimes also physically, mm. you know? So it's just, it is hard, you know? Um, Right now, because he's finally taking the right medication and he's finally going to the psychiatrist because the thing with narcissists is that they believe that there's nothing wrong with them and that they are perfect in everything. Mm -hmm. The first time that he was diagnosed, he like got out of the session and said to my mom, see, I knew how to play the psychiatrist to make him believe that, oh, I'm not crazy. Mm -hmm. 
Even one day, one as, as well, one of the first sessions, he sat in front of the psychiatrist and said, how can I help you? Mm. You know? Oh, so, my God. So the narcissism behavior is really, really dangerous. And it's also dangerous whenever you're growing up with someone like him because you can then get the same uh, manners. For you sure. Know? For yeah. sure. My, my family, like, we are big believers of patterns. So... I we well I think that my mom accepts to be treated or has or she has been allowing my dad to treat her like that for many many years because that's what she saw from her mother my grandmother mm -hmm. my grandmother was still with my grandfather but my grandfather used to beat her up you know it was a very different time I think mm -hmm. our generation yeah I think it's not starting with us but mm -hmm. I do think it is us that are slowly starting to recognize that power that mm -hmm. we have and kind of not even put a stick into generational trauma mm -hmm. but there is that awareness mm -hmm. and I think it just comes with education it comes with people sharing their stories more where it's like okay I do not have fuck taboos yeah at the time our grandparents if they got divorced it was a shame on their family exactly yeah. you know mm -hmm. like it's so different yeah and we're so lucky we're so lucky mm -hmm. because I, I say this so often in terms of even my parents with their parents, it's a very different thing. Mm -hmm. You know, like like I wouldn't want to be in their generation because like no. it's so much harder. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And more like with my like my grand, my granddad, he was a pastor of the church. So he traveled around Argentina, Italy, France, mm. you know, that's why there, there's so many like yeah. genetics and in, in my DNA <laughs> just because of all the travelings that they've been they've been doing for many, many years and it's just generation after generation. Mm. So I'm a big believer again of patterns, but that you can definitely break them. And I think that's what my mom did. Yeah. Whenever she It's brought, that recognition. Yes. It's yeah. whenever she brought Vanessa and, and me in Ireland. We started a new chapter, a new pattern now. Yeah. Wow. So. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting with your dad because like sometimes when you hear about the whole like narcissistic thing, they don't know. It's such a catch 22. Yeah. Because uh, and I think that's just like the general concept of having a diagnosed mental illness is that you think they're OK and you think they can do better, but sometimes they just can't. No, they can't. He was born. Yeah, he was born well, like that. He was born like that. It, it is a, a psychiatric like diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, um, Thing, like 10 so 10 years ago he suffered like three minute strokes mm -hmm. like they're called like in Spanish they call like heart uh, instead of heart attacks they're brain attacks they're mini and they can only be seen by doing the brain scan mm -hmm. um, so he had that 10 years ago when Vanessa and I left Ireland he had three of them and then finally when was it like a month ago he got finally again another brain scan and the, the, the doctors were, were like he's been having like uh, mini brain attacks for the past 10 years you know that's why his um his speech was slow that's why he was getting more angry the brain's an organ yeah it's you, an organ you yeah. know what i mean so uh, then it's like okay i'm not trying to defend him or excuse him but that that's maybe the reason why he gets mad so easily for sure maybe that's why he doesn't have patience he mm -hmm. was here last weekend and because he forgot his medication he was actually he made so we had my friends over, Nina was over, my mom was over, my dad and my sister, we were all going for lunch. But because he forgot the medication to take it in the morning, he kept saying to my mom, I need to take the medication because I don't know what I'm going to do. He was he scared that he was going to lose it, you mm -hmm. know, get mad and, and things like poor that. Poor guy. You know? So it's poor guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because also his mother, 
used to be uh, used to suffer of depression. Of and whenever my my dad was a baby, my granny tried to kill herself in a bridge with my dad. Oh, you know, God. like her holding. So it is like. So what I'm trying to say and I'm trying to bring awareness is like there are bad people out there. There are really bad people out there. I always thought for many years that my dad was just the most horrible person in the world. But for many years, for many, many years. And thanks to science, I can at least understand a bit more maybe their reactions. So now when I talk to him, I talk to him more clear. I'm like, do you want me to repeat it again? Sometimes he annoys me because... Maybe we're in the street, and then like the like the other days we went to a Japanese like you know restaurant, and he decided to be like, oh hello, hello, you know, and it's like, what what are you doing, you know, <laughs> like that's not normal, but it's just out of nowhere he starts acting like a child more than anything, you know, but it's it's not it's not obvious, you know, but only people that are close to him knows. Okay, you definitely have something going on, you know. So he must he might be a bad person for what he did in the past. His actions were bad. Yes, his actions were obviously bad. Exactly. And he didn't want to accept the help because yeah. in his brain, he's perfect. He's better than God. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, But that that is the way, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, but like at the end of the day, now I have a better uh, relationship, relationship with him because now he's 67 years of age. You know, he's old. And I'm not a bad person and I will never at the end leave anyone of my family behind. Mm-hmm. Even though of the past, of mm-hmm. the things, you know, that has happened. Um, obviously, being with, uh, having a family like that, so dysfunctional, really, um, I had to go to many, many, many years of counseling, but I did, I wasn't um, embarrassed about it. You know, I was like, I'll just go to counseling and, you know, I'll just get help and things like that. Thanks to, to my friends in college, obviously. What you know? was the coping technique or the piece of advice that helped you the most? Oh, that, uh, what was it? I always say it. From when? From when I was younger? I'm saying what helped you let go? Of of the matter with my dad. Or just in general anger? Oh, the, the, the anger is just, I had hope. How I, did you let go of that hope? Like, it's just hoping that the world is actually better. You know, I was like, this cannot be life. There's something more to it. There's a better life out there, you know? I, that's why I love Peter Pan, you know? It was like a lonely child that didn't belong anywhere, you know? Because that's one thing. I just felt like I never belonged anywhere, but I always had hope that something good will happen even if I wake up at the next day, mm. you know? So sometimes I'll be like, today I'm going to wake up and I'm going to make the best cup of tea ever. You know, and that will just push me out of bed, you know, like, okay, at least that's something, you know, but I just, even though I had so much like sadness around and so much anger around me, I just knew I was like, this cannot be life. Like life is better than this. Mm-hmm. I just need to find it. Did you, you know? find it? I'm finding it. You're yes. finding it. I'm finding it. Yeah. Slowly, slowly. Yeah. I'm glad that you are. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's great. Like, you know, it's great. You're doing it. Yeah. Okay. So that that's just like a story that no one knows for now. So I'm yes. glad that there's a little bit of context to mm-hmm. it. So you're Spaniard or Spanish <laughs> in Monaghan. Yes. Were you speaking English at that time, basic or nothing? No, nothing. How did you navigate that? Uh, I listened to radios a lot. 
Okay. Yeah, because radio was the only place where people were actually talking like normal, you know, like conversation. Back then, I don't think we had Netflix, you know, it was no. 2011. Probably there was Netflix, but no. But also I live with a really nice um, Irish family that they had um, children as well, you know, mm. so it was nice. Were they to, like your age or younger? Uh, no, there was one, I think she was like two years older than me and then... There was another girl, I think she was maybe four years younger than me. Okay, you were in between, kind of. Yeah, it was in between, but it it was just nice to be able to practice English with them. But yes, no, it it was nice. Like Okay, so 15, were you fluent by 16, do you think? Not really, but like, I just smiled all the time. Smiles (laughs) doesn't have a language, really. Just like smiling, yes. Uh, Just smiling, yes. Um, The first word I learned in English was tired. I am tired. How are you, tired? (laughs) What do you do today? Tired. <laughs> you know, it was the best word ever, you know, like best book word ever. I used the word, t- I had to like stop doing it. But before I used the word tired in general to get out of anything. Yeah. How are you doing? Tired. Don't talk to me. Like, like that's what it kind of meant. Like, sh- that's it. Yeah. Like Debbie's in a bad mood. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So that's interesting. Tired. You were obviously going to school. Yes. Did you keep up with school? Yes, well, I was really lucky that I actually did transition year. So okay. Oh, that helps you. Yes, yeah, so a transition year is a year where you just find yourself, let's just say. So that was fun. Um, so I just had to focus really on learning English. Did you do drama in transition year? No, I did not. Oh, okay. We did nothing. <laughs> did you not? I don't think there was enough budget that year, you know, for fourth year, unfortunately. Um, so for any international audience, uh, audience, <laughs> audience, TY or transition year is basically this gap where students can just do anything and figure themselves out whether yeah. usually it's kind of like organize a school play yeah go on oh, some walk do some voluntary work maybe get a job or something mm-hmm. as well well we Nothing. did work experience for like two weeks you know where was your work experience uh, in a gym oh yeah health and fitness yeah fitness were you doing any sports or no um, when I moved to Ireland, no, and that was really shocking because in Spain, um, I Were played soccer, basketball, oh, tennis, and everything you think of, like after school and skateboarding, well, longboarding more than skateboarding, like, that's you know. like very stereotypical. Barcelona type. Barcelona, Barcelona type. type. Yeah. Were, were you like mad into football or not yes. really? Yeah. Yes. Go on. Yeah. I, I love I love soccer um, and that's one thing I think I love soccer because that's what the one thing I had in common with my dad because my dad used to be the director of Catalonia for the radios for New Camp oh, okay you know so literally what you're doing my dad would be like go 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 you know oh, shit. yeah yeah in the 90s so that was like the only thing that I kind of connected with him with the soccer part of it you know okay was he like not even tough on you but like I used to have this thing with sports, right? And it was like, oh, it was so bad. After a match, if you played like shit, you'd regret the drive home. Yeah. Oh my God, it was the most awkward thing. Yeah. I used to play football as well. Nice, we should play something. I have a ball in the in the car. Well, I'd rather not. <laughs> I, I, I was a goalie, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then I just stopped growing <laughs> and I couldn't reach the top corners. <laughs> I was petrified of everyone though I think like back I was so scared I was so timid and I was a goalkeeper so like I was good with my team Mm -hmm. but then with the national team I was like I'm scared of all of you like you're going to like so I'm like "Uh -uh, no No. and I let it go I miss it I miss it 
But Soccer is such a good sport, really. Like, I really enjoy it. Like. I think... <laughs> and it's going to sound really bad, right? But, no, it's not going to sound bad. I watched One Team, One Dream. And it's basically a docuseries following Chelsea. Women's okay. team. Oh, oh, right. And I think we should plan, like, a girls' trip there. And, like, we should just start automatically supporting Chelsea. Women's football club now. Mm. Have you seen Barca, though? Bar- the I Barca women's team, they did the world record of attendees. Oh, yes, I saw 90- that. Women in sport, yes. Yeah, oh, my God. 94,000 people they got in the new Was camp. it against Chelsea, actually? No, Probably. I think no. it was uh, against Paris or something like that. Women, fucking women's football is skyrocketing mm-hmm. all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel the urge to buy a t-shirt and support yeah. someone. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we, we're, we're doing well. Good. Like, I love women. Are you like, still going to go with Barcelona women's teams? So. Obviously, yeah. There's this player I love, Claudia Pina, and she's just tiny. Like, I think she's like a wee Leo Messi, but in a woman. Like, mm. oh, follow Claudia Pina. She's really good. Follow Sam Kerr. <laughs> <laughs> we can do this okay all right so sports that's all fine and dandy when did so all right ireland's favorite gay this is like further down the line mm-hmm. when did you start questioning your sexuality or where was that like defining moment where you're like fuck boys <laughs> so literally um <laughs> i had my first kiss with a girl let's just say i started really young was your by first the way. kiss with a boy ever or no just well, a girl well yes i had oh, okay, I, okay. it was easier you know yeah. back then i'm more when you're 12 you know yeah. um so obviously i've kissed the guy first and i was like okay this is the normal yeah um and i think that's when guys used to wear the justin bieber haircut oh love that you know so i was like oh my god i love that you know and then i, I think was like, every lesbian loved justin bieber when they were younger yeah still looks like a lesbian like he's quite a style i well. know i love justin like <laughs> jesus but um, don't tell anyone but <laughs> but uh so back then like i used to be like guys with the haircut and i was like Oh my god, they're so handsome. So like, I will just kiss them, you know. Just so you know, guys, in Barcelona, um, it's really normal to start really early for some reason. I think it's like you, it's a hot country. I have no idea. <laughs> um, so uh, I kissed. I, I kissed the guy, like you know, with the haircut, like Justin Bieber, and then I realized. I really don't fancy you, but I want to be like you. You know what I mean? With the, with the hair and with that vibe in, in that sense, you know? Um, I had a boyfriend before as well, but we could get to that. But um, I, when I kissed a girl for the first time, actually was one of my best friends. I don't want to give more details because it was a secret still to this day. Um, so for me, that was like the biggest love I ever had. I was like, oh, so in love. I was like my best friend and then someone I can actually show love. But for me, that meant more than than maybe you kissing a girl. For me, it meant, meant, meant more because I was having finally some type of affection and support mm. when someone came over to the house. Because I didn't have that with my family. Yeah. My dad wouldn't give me hugs or my mama would just see her like depressed or like sad, you know, back then. So that girl for me was my like whole a, your world. safe space kind of. Yes. You know, I'll never forget the day that she actually gave me a hug and I was like, what is this? You know, mm-hmm. I was like, this is love and this is affection. Um, so Were you I, familiar with just LGBT? Like, no. Okay. No, like obviously I played soccer. I was like yeah. such a like tomboy. You, you know? Your exposure to it was very limited as well. Yeah, of. very limited. Yes. I Because I moved nine times of school. Mm. So like I've never had like the, the experience of like, uh, actually, you know, 
looking and searching like where like do I like girls or whatever you know at the age of uh, 12 I was just innocent and I was in that school only for one year and I just thought well I'll be probably moving on to another school I will find my sexuality later in life you know mm. but I found this girl that she yeah. actually became my best friend and obviously like every lesbian story or gay story let's just say um the best friend is always your first love you know um so anyways uh after that, I literally convinced myself, like, I am not gay. That I was just uh, in love with that girl. I'm never going to be in love with another girl. That is it. So I moved to Ireland. Never even thought about it. Put it back in my head. I had a, a really good boyfriend um, when I was in school. Really, really good. Um, loved his family and everything. Um, and he, like, treated me, like like so good and for me it was really weird because I had the image that men had to act like my dad so the fact that he was treating me so nice I was like why are you treating me nice mm. you know because for me it's like why are you treating me nice if the king of my life that is my dad and I'm his princess treats me like shit why would a random or then treat me right you know, so it was very, I was just, it was, it's not that I was only discovering my sexuality. I was finally discovering the healthy affection and, and like, oh, the world is actually good out there. Because I always thought that people were going through really tough yeah. situations in a house, you know, in closed yeah. doors. Like it was your first time kind of feeling like, oh, this is not what I'm used to is not how it's supposed to be. Yeah, and I'll be scared. Yeah. You know? Mm. And I'll be like, I don't know if to trust you. I don't know if you're going to like, you know. What are you doing here? Yeah, like sometimes I think when I started like dating Nina, so one day, she, whenever, uh, one of our first few dates, she did like this to me, you know, like to half five and actually did like this, oh, yeah. you know? Like I was like, oh, fuck. I was like, I thought, sorry, I thought she was going to like, I don't know, hit me for some reason, you know? So it, it wasn't just my teenage year of finding my sexuality. I was finding more things about life, like affection and, and someone treating you right. Mm. So, um, but anyways, after that, um, I was able to ignore that for many, many years. And, and then I've realized when I went to college, I was like, this is a safe space. Colleges in Ireland are the places to actually um, kind of experience more about the sexuality. Because for anyone listening that is studying in Ireland, most of the universities and institutes have LGBTQ societies. Mm -hmm. So you can actually go and it's completely like private. Like no one's actually going to out you just for being signed up in the society. And I think that's that's why I felt so comfortable in discovering my more about my sexuality in college. Okay, so were you in the closet while in college? Yes, sort until... Of. See, I was always in the closet, if you get me. Like, I would just come out, like, sometimes where I felt that I was safe. So in first year, I actually came out to my housemates because I knew I had to live with them. And I okay. was just tired of always hiding what my reality was. Mm -hmm. um, so I remember telling them, oh, like, okay. I'm bisexual. Well, back bisexual. then I used to be bisexual. Not used to be. I used to use a label bisexual. I was like, oh, like, you know, I'm bisexual. And they were shocked. Oh, Mary, like, no way. And I was like, yeah, you know. And I was like, okay, this is nice, you know. And that's whenever finally on nights out, I will be like, oh, look, if they, if they see me talking to a girl, to not be like, oh, Mary, nice, you know, because I wasn't really like fully out. But 
um, in first year and all of that, like I would just be on Tinder, but I wasn't out, out. And, and then I, I got into a relationship um, that I'd rather not give much detail about. I was in a relationship where we felt that it wasn't safe maybe to, to come out to everyone. Our close friends knew. Um, but that's, that's all I can say. And it's just a learning process really. Um, but after that, I was like, okay, I've discovered affection. I've discovered that the world is actually good. And I was like, it's time to make a change because I finally think I have the power and the knowledge, um, to actually be like, let's make a change. And I think I can help people, you know? And you definitely are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great to be honest. Like, and even if I only help one person, like for me, that's enough. It makes a but difference. But people are like, "Why did you not start before?" It was like I just didn't have the knowledge and I didn't have the, the the power. Sometimes when I see really young people explaining their like you know TED talks, you know, there's so many people explaining, and I went through this and this and this and this, you know, and like, oh my god, like that is so sad. That's their story. I don't want my story to be that. I want my story to be, you know, what I've been telling you and how you actually progress in life. And that just because that happened to you in the past, that doesn't mean that that's who you are, you know? Like, that happened in the past, but that doesn't mean just because I have a, a, a dad that has all the mental illnesses, that doesn't mean that then I have to become like him. There's one thing I was always scared of, and it's to be like him. Mm. You know, when I get mad, because whenever he used to get mad, he would just punch the wall or or bang the, the door or throw everything he saw, like furniture to the floor, you know? So I was always scared to do that because that's how I saw that I have to deal with anger. So... When I see like young people explaining all their struggles and, you know, in a TED talk, at the end of the day, I'm like, okay, but what was the goal? What did you learn from that? You know, and all I learned from this like childhood and this discoverment is that it doesn't matter what you went through. You know what I mean? You are the one that decides if you want to be like them or if you want to be different. And I'm I'm choosing to just be who I am, Mm -hmm. be different, I suppose. And, and just help people and just be like, look, been there, done that, you can do it, you know? And what are you going to do next as well? Like I had, oops, I had Kieran Fox on and I actually had a clip like that where mm-hmm. it's kind of like, fair enough, you experienced your past, mm-hmm. but it's about picking up that pen and becoming the author of your future. Exactly. Exactly. What are you going to do with that? Mm-hmm. If you keep playing, unfortunately, if you keep hyper obsessing over what happened to you, all you are is just a reflection of that. Exactly. And it's a mirror. Want, yeah. And what do you want? What does that do? Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you did not have good exposure, I did not have good exposure to anger as well. Mm-hmm. So I completely relate to you when it comes to like anger management. I am very aware of like raising my voice, for example, yes. that sort of yes. thing. Um, and that put me in my shell. Like that was just like the situation for me. So obviously, like, it's a learning process. But if you get stuck in that, there's no progress. Exactly. And you're just not fun to be around. No. <laughs> They'll be like, you're miserable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Like, do you want to be that person that people tiptoe around you? Yes or no? Mm. For anything. Because, like, then anything can become a trigger. And that's not what you want. Yeah. Okay. So when it comes to your TikTok, TikTok, TikTok account. Yes. Sorry, I drank a little bit last night. We're in Mary's place, by the way, so I'm very dehydrated. Uh, when it comes to TikTok, mm-hmm. when did you start that? 
I started that when, as a healing process. A healing after process. After a, a breakup, uh, I, I was just finished with a job that I loved in the student union in Donegal. Uh, all my housemates, every year they were just different because everyone was graduating. Um, a relationship I was with just, you know, uh, ended. So I packed my stuff, went to Spain, and I was like, what's out there? And I was like, oh. TikTok. I was like, gonna start doing some TikToks just for the fun of it. Mm. And it actually really helped my healing uh, stage. Uh, it, it TikTok does bring your ego up. <laughs> and I don't care what people say. It does. It does. It I'm does. sorry. It does bring your ego up. And the, the, the way that it brings your content, content, not just to your target audience, but also to a lot of like people, like is what idea. makes it different. The algorithm on TikTok is completely different to any other social any, media. It's, it's interesting. You mm -hmm. know, it's really interesting. So that's how kind of TikTok started, kind of like a healing stage. And then I realized the power of it. And I was like, this is how maybe I can make change but first i knew i had to create content that was um that was you know getting the target audience that i wanted and the main target audience that i wanted was lgbtq uh, ia plus community and then from there whenever you like so my plan was to build a good community like you know maybe like five thousand followers And then after getting the 5,000 followers and bring that to Instagram and actually do Q&As, LGBTQ questions, mental health questions, LGBTQ artists, you know, everything yeah. all about the, the, the movement, you know. Have you gotten there yet? Uh, not yet, but it's, it's amazing how rewarding it is to even just help one person, you know. Like right now I have like, you know, like the 30 something thousand followers. Um, but TikTok, I said, just to post kind of like stupid stuff and, and fun stuff, you know, and Instagram, that's where people can actually connect to the person that I am. I don't mind being transparent on Instagram, mm. um, but TikTok is more about... You have to be careful. Yeah. You have to be careful over yeah. there, unfortunately, because yeah. it's kind of like the moment that you upload a TikTok, yeah. the algorithm goes, are you going to be on the angry people mm. <laughs> side? And then... It catches on. It catches on fire. Yeah, or the other sort of thing. And unfortunately, as well, I don't know if you got it, but on ins on TikTok, the anonymity of accounts, mm -hmm. people feel a lot more comfortable talking like shit and like really bad. Yeah, because they are user one, two, three, four, five, six, mm -hmm. rather than Debbie Shaw. They're protected more the anonymous yes. people than the content creators. And I think they should definitely change that because the content it. creators are the ones actually giving their popularity to an app. Mm. So I always feel like they really need to start stepping up, you know. On that yeah, side. like safety, eh? Mm -hmm. Because like people are talking shit so easily on yeah. TikTok. Yeah. You know? And like I think like you can see like that, like th there's just so much hate. And again, what I was saying, if you're young, yeah, um, that could affect you a lot. For sure. Them comments, you know? But now... In, in my sense, like I'm 26, I just turned 26, and I feel like if I ever get a hate comment, I'll be like, okay, you know. Yeah, it changes you, eh? Yeah. Because then you're just uh, even if you do look at them, it's literally zero followers. Yeah. And all they're doing is just like hate commenting, eh? And the you know what? I always feel like probably the people that put the hate comments, they're probably maybe people that are close to you. 
you know i oh. i even think that in that sense you know what i mean i feel like maybe it's someone maybe it's your neighbor that is jealous mm. or, or things like that you know i believe that. that sometimes you need to be very careful have you ever been in the position of like you're really excited for a project let's yeah. just say and then you tell to that maybe one friend and then oh, after always. you say it to the friend then the project that actually doesn't happen something happens to the person that then that project cannot happen and it's because you maybe said it maybe to someone that you think is your friend but it's probably wishing you to not do as well i have you know? a question for you do yeah. you keep your ideas to yourself i try to um but when i feel confident mm-hmm. um i do share them just like yesterday yeah. i shared my ideas with you um because i feel like that you're a good person and you're not gonna be like hey, i'm gonna take that idea uh from you and do this you know yeah same here actually yeah, yeah. before i used to be really protective over them mm-hmm. and i never used to do anything yeah Because then it just stays in my head and then it just lets go, which I think a lot of creative people suffer with. Yeah. And it's like a balance of figuring out, is this project going to work? Do I tell people who are the right people to tell? To tell, exactly. And it's so interesting. And are they going to encourage me? Exactly. You need a little balance of encouraging and realism. Mm -hmm. You have to kick pessimism out of the Mm -hmm. fucking way. Yeah. And I think the one thing about pessimists is they say, I'm just being realistic. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God, fuck that. Have you ever considered moving back to Spain? Uh, Yes, um, I have. But things in Spain are really um, tough. But I think I will miss so much the Irish culture. I've been living here for 11 years since I was 15. So... I just love the Irish culture. Everyone, they, they have that sense of family, mm. you know, and the sense of like uh, friendship or, or, you know, like you can meet a randomer and they can be like, oh, I'll help you, you know. And I think that's one thing that I will definitely miss in Spain. So obviously the weather isn't the best, but let's just say what I love about Irish people is that whenever it's sunny, we even take the day off, you know, and we enjoy the moments. And well, in Spain, at least you, like you take it for granted. But I, I would like to move to Spain, but I know Ireland is actually my home. And I always say that at this stage, I'm half Irish, even though I don't have much of the accent, as you can tell. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, Ireland, Ireland is my home and Ireland is a place that has completely saved me and and my sister definitely Mm. so and obviously your sister likes it here too yeah my sister she she's with an irish guy from monhan they've been together for like nearly 11 years and i'm really happy that she was was this the host family boy uh no that was it the third family okay of the host family so uh it's it's kind of like a really nice love story okay so vanessa went to the gym in monaghan okay uh, saw him for the first time they liked each other and his sister was in our class okay so i was really close with potty's sister um mary and yeah that's that's how it happened you know uh, i i needed like a house for a few months and and mary's so potty's family was like oh sure move in and I was like, oh, nice, sure, I'm going to have the proper, like, you know, Irish family, actually a real family, you know, because my sister was with, with their son. Um, and then when that happened, then my sister was like, I want to move in too. So the Irish family, Monhan, actually took my sister and I and even my cousin afterwards. Oh, my God. Yeah, my, my cousin uh, from Germany moved to Ireland when she was only 14 then as well because of situations. Crazy kind of similar of what my sister and I... What a welcoming family. Not many people would do that. No, no, no. That's Monhan for you, though. Is it? Yeah. Okay, they're sweet fuck all, but at least... Yes. 
there's nice families. Exactly. Yes. Mom, mom and people, they're, they're great. Okay. Mary, what are we going to do in a few hours? In a few hours, we are having the first ever Pride event in Dundalk, uh, in Mokara. They're amazing pop. They're just recently, recently opened. And I feel like, for me, that they're the best pop uh, in the whole town, maybe the whole county as well. Um, because they've not only created a really nice uh, pop, but also a lovely community that whenever you walk in, you just feel like, okay, you know, they're open to, to new ideas. And I'm so grateful that I literally was to them, let's create a pride event. And they were like, yes, we need to. Yeah. Yes, let's go. And I was like, that this is so nice. And the, the event was originated because of all the hate crime there was happening, you know, in Sligo and in Dublin. And I was like, wow, there, there, there is no more actually safe spaces in Ireland. If you are gay, you have to go to Dublin, you know. So I was like, hold on, why don't we change this for a minute? Why don't we give it a go? So I went to Mokara. I was like, look, you have been seeing all the hate crime that has been happening. Let's create a nice safe space, at least for the bright month, you know. Yeah. So... Like make people feel welcome in Dundalk as well. Yeah. Now they know where to go. Exactly. Obviously, it's not a gay bar, but... But you're safe there. You're safe. You're, completely you're safe. welcome. Yeah. And all that. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And what's your take on the concept of the community and allies? What do you think the LGBTQ plus community needs? Oh, we need lots, loads of allies. Like, definitely loads of allies. The pop, all of them, are allies. The organization that's a business that cares about about lgbtq rights it's not a business that is only doing it just for prime month mm -hmm. they said yes because they went that step forward they went that step forward yes. that other organizations are not doing mm -hmm. there's you a know? difference with just putting the pride flag exactly up, and or then, changing your logo or being an activist the mm -hmm. way that they're doing mm -hmm. you know and what they're doing that's they are a great example of how to be a great organization and a great ally including all the staff Mm -hmm. They were that they're doing. They are not as scared scared that just because they put a pride flag that people are gonna think, oh my god, it's gonna be a gay pop. Fuck that. Jesus. You know what I mean? Like or uh, or like, oh my god, um if they see me talking to her, they might think that I'm gay too, you know? Mm. We need allies. That's that's all we need, really. Like, you know, um and we need more education. I always say that. We need more education in the political sector, in the education sector, in every single sector there should be like some type of of education about the LGBTQ community. And I don't I don't understand why there's such a negative view about being an ally, really. Mm. You know? Um being an ally, it's cool. It's hashtag trending, let's just say. And right now, like if you're homophobic, I think it's time for you to maybe grab a book, you know. Actually, there's a really good book, uh, the, what's it called? The Queer Bible. Um, I've only read like a few pages, but it seems good. It explains different stories. So if anyone wants to be a good ally, uh, just read that book. Yeah. You're also bringing on a straight drag queen. Yes, yes. So again, with allyship, again. Um, so I posted a TikTok saying that I was looking for a drag queen for this event. And I had this amazing drag queen called Karakalua, and she, no, he texted me, sorry, um, saying that he was a drag queen and he was actually a straight drag queen. And I was like, I, I want you. 
I was like, I need you. You are going to be the main star, you know? And he was telling me, like, you know, about his perspective, what has happened, you know, in the past, you know? And that I suppose it'll be good for you to actually talk to, oh, yeah. to him if you want it as well in the future. I'll just mic everyone up. <laughs> ah, exactly. Mic everyone up. Um, but I think he will have a very, very good story of allyship, how to be, yeah. be a good ally. I think it'll be great. But one thing I loved is whenever he said to me that he was straight. And it's not just because, oh my God, he's straight. No. It's diversity. It's a diversity. That it, like you can be a drag queen being straight as well you know just because you you like to be a drag queen doesn't mean that that's labeling your sexuality like mm -hmm. that's a no-no you know so um yes we have the main drag queen that he is you know straight so that's again another example of you know ally, like you know being an ally mm -hmm. so it's a great event where we're proving a lot yeah you know okay so mary because we have to prepare i'm gonna wrap this up perfect but i want to tell you something perfect You're doing an amazing job. Ah, oh, thank you. So, like, you're doing so much. You're bringing so much diversity mm -hmm. to Ireland in general. And I have a little confession. Wow. When I heard your accent, so, like, when I started all of this, right, mm -hmm. one of my main insecurities was my accent. And just, like, the concept of, like, not feeling welcome within the Irish community mm -hmm. because I am not Irish. And the fact that there was this Spanish girl on TikTok going by Ireland's favorite gay and taking ownership of the being an immigrant yet embracing that culture is amazing. And you're doing so well. And I love your fucking accent, whatever it fucking might be. But like you gave me so much confidence in being like, you know what, I'm allowed here too. Yeah, exactly. And you're doing things with such confidence, even if it gets stressful sometimes. Yes. So you're fucking killing it, okay? And I can't wait to see you go up to 50k and 100k. Nice. <laughs> and all your fucking business moves. You're fucking done, dog. You have a house. <laughs> like, you're killing it. You're smashing it, okay? And you too. You too. Like, I remember saying to Nina, I was like, I need to do a podcast with this girl. I was like, <laughs> and I, I think, like, I, I mentioned it yesterday. I was like, Debbie's gonna reach far. Like, I want you to have your radio show, TV show. I want you to be the next El DeGeneres, you know? Like, I'm My like, dad calls me the gay Ellen. The gay Maltese yeah. Ellen. Like, I actually picture it. You're, you're going... I've said that to Nina, like, so many times. You're going the right way. Yeah. You're, you're going to get there. <laughs> we'll you, see. No, you are. Like, what are you? Yeah. Like, you are. Slowly, slowly. No. Slowly, slowly. I'm there here to ask are, questions and I'm here to, like, bring amazing people on. Yeah. And if anyone's listening, follow her and support her. You know what I'm yeah. saying? We got this. All right. Yes. And if anyone ever needs to talk, I am, I'm here to. Yes. Uh, fill in her LGBTQ like yes, questions on sti yeah. <laughs> stickers on Instagram. Thank you so much. Thank you, Debbie. And thank you everyone for listening. I appreciate it. Gays Collective.